Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Grison. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hey, everybody. Today, I've got an actual old friend of mine, Rob McKinney, who is now the Director of Safety Services at AGC of Georgia. And um, the reason Rob's here today is that um, they have a special effort going on at AGC that a lot of the safety committee and um, Cindy Parham and um, a lot of the team over at, at AGC, they want to make an effort to make the construction industry more aware of human performance concepts. So this podcast might be a little bit different. Um, we might have some questions back and forth for each other. But um, I did want to kind of start out and thank Rob for his efforts over the years. Um, Rob has been my tech go-to guru forever. Um, I think Rob were bo- and I were both in our 20s when we started in the safety profession. So I always kind of feel like we grew up together in this industry. Um, but I- I've learned so much from Rob about how technology can reduce error. And so he's, he's really a unique guy to know. If you don't know him already, you need to know him. Um, but he's also a friend. So how you doing, Rob? I'm doing excellent, sir. Philip, I appreciate the kind words, you know, it's, uh, we've gotten gray hairs over the years of knowing each other and surviving lots of self-inflicted paper cuts. (laughs) Yes, sir. But sharing that knowledge, man, that's always kind of been one of my things of, okay, this, maybe this and whatever that this is could help somebody else. How do we spread the good word about different things and technology is definitely one of those things that I believe in. Just like safety, they're two of my top of, I believe we should have a self, a, a safe and healthy workplace. But technology, I have seen the results of what it really can do to transform workers and companies, you know, to not get too down the weeds, but to move away from a lot of paper-based workflows that if we all know the term, you know, check the box. Check the box. Check That's the right. box. There's a lot we can do. So it's exciting times for sure, sir. You know, um, it, just a couple of things you just mentioned there. One was, um, it's kind of that, that theme of helping each other out and you've always been charitable. Um, I think we got to look out for each other in the safety world because a lot of people don't like us for some reason. Um, you know, I'm here to help and be argued with the whole time. I'm sure you've experienced that, but, um, I now, Philip, you're saying when my name was put on all those porta potty walls across the Atlanta market, <laughs> that that wasn't a good thing. No, they, no, we can be. We are the emotional punching bag sometimes, aren't we? Um, yep. Which is funny because, like, even this topic, there there is definitely a lot of resistance that you still see in the, the safety industry. Even when you present the best safety science available, resistance is normal. But um, you know, your technology effort too. That you know, that's a lot of uh, human performance thinking. That technology is expanding rapidly. And we can take advantage of that to re- not just reduce error and mistakes, but keep people alive, right? So it, I appreciate you coming today. It's a bold new world, I'll tell you. Even in 2022, where when I first started playing around with technology as a, quote, untrained construction technologist around 2012, to get to this point of all the amazing things that are out there, of 
there's BIM, you know, 3D models. There, we've got artificial intelligence, exoskeletons. There's, I have a whole talk of five different ways that I think it can truly benefit workers and companies. And man, I'll tell you, my last year, I still have talked to so many construction companies that they're just now thinking an app is a good idea. Well, we might buy some tablets that they could do, you know, a basic safety meeting on. It blows my mind of the amazing things our industry can do, but also I love our industry, you know, no disrespect. Really? It's 2022 and I'm still trying to convince you that there's an ROI of buying a tablet that does so many things to benefit the worker, the company, but I think it gets into kind of what we're talking about with human performance. It's a mental model of the way things have been and you're taught and you're reinforced. And so changing to your point, that's a big purple elephant walk in the room, whether it's, Hey, we're going to do a time card on an app or let's think about an exoskeleton or what, what? now, Philip, you're telling me that those employees, they didn't mean to do something wrong. <laughs> no, they did. What? Yeah. You know, that, and that's the thing, too, that um, it, it's a hard thing to get past. So, so bias is strong, right? That the bias is strong in human beings and, and you know, the hindsight bias that um, somebody should or shouldn't have done what they did. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's the most powerful bias in psychology, but it is something that we still do as humans all the time. And, and that is a hard long lingering culture to get past, especially in the construction industry. It's, it's a unique one. Um, you know, you were talking about the BIM models and, um, so I'm going to get a little brainy here, but where do people make the most errors? They make the most errors when they have to use this, this prefrontal cortex we have to make a good decision and figure something out when they don't have an SOP or a big long plan. And I think one of those things that everybody kind of sees is fall protection. Mm-hmm. That fall protection is one of those things that traditionally we teach people the rules, right? Like what the anchor has to support and how you're supposed to be tied off and all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of figure that out as you go. And um, that's where people are going to make the most mistakes. And some studies show that you could easily see 15, 20 errors per hour with something like that. But your your BIM models kind of show you where things are going to get in the way and that traditional set up a scaffold scissor lift just is not going to work. And that helps us predict where that error is most likely to occur. So I love listening to you and all the things you're learning on how we can reduce error and take advantage of that technology. You know, if you think about the construction industry, it's fascinating to look at how really close it is to gambling. Because what you're talking about, the multiple layers of risk compounded with the multiple opportunities for any human to make a mistake every day with, unfortunately, when we're looking at it through the lens of safety, very possible dire consequences. If we think that, okay, if construction, at least using analogy, it's kind of like gambling and we're playing with house money or other people's money. And every day you and I and a lot of safety professionals have come to the realization that people are making mistakes all day long. It's a matter of how many mistakes, how costly the mistakes are, and how painful they are. That's really, I think, what we're trying to get at with this human performance of understanding people are making mistakes. Nobody's perfect. You know, look at sports. Michael Jordan, how many shots did he take to even be as great as he is? Or LeBron James, 
roll back Babe Ruth. Every sport's got somebody, that star. Look at what just happened with Serena Williams, the Williams sisters in tennis, right? Even at the highest, highest levels, they make mistakes. But we don't judge them. They're like, well, they're, they're really good. Of course, they're going to miss one or two. And an employee might hit their thumb with, with a hammer. Well, that idiot. Somebody, you know, gets something in their eye. Well, I told them to put the glasses on. So it is very polarizing when we think about human performance in our industry of, well, let's really start digging in. Why would someone think it's okay to do something right or wrong or indifferent? There's where I think some of what you're bringing up with the human performance element could help some leaders, some business owners really look at their crews and think, what are we teaching people that, what is that mental model of acceptance that why would they take a chance to make a dollar? Because I mean, let's just call it out. That's kind of what happens sometimes. People are willing to bypass their own well-being for the sake of the schedule or a dollar. And it's that mental model we're trying to tap into and recon, I don't think, maybe recondition's too strong of a word, maybe reset, reframe. Yes. You know, it's like, okay, so Rob, sometimes I feel like we're teaching, we've moved from the earth is flat till we learned it was round. It, that <laughs> it's that extreme uh, of yeah. a, an operating philosophy that, um, you know, we, we evolved in our safety understanding from looking at who did the wrong thing, that in insurance, a lot of times that's what we're looking for. Who is at fault, be it a company or an individual and, you know, I want to make the disclaimer here that I love OSHA. I've got friends that work there. Um, you know, there are people that have been mentors to me that work at OSHA. But at the same time, the historical OSHA model has looked at, is the employer at fault? Do they deserve a citation? Or was it employee misconduct and the employer doesn't deserve a citation? But both of those are looking at the who. Right. And it never mm-hmm. fixes the why, the, the how, the how the, or, the operating system encouraged a violation to be perceived as a good idea. And that is such a, a mental shift, as you often say. It's hard for people to do that because you're pretty much going up to them and saying, hey, um, we found out the earth is not flat. It's actually round. And, and people don't easily give up on long-held belief systems um you know what is it it's voting week right go get people to change who they voted for and you know occasionally you see those shifts but that's a hard thing for people to do to to give up long-held belief systems and look at something new that challenges that so this is not for the meek. We'll, we'll get that out oh, there. Oh, no, 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 no. This is <laughs> not for the meek. It's hard work for each person that's looking to, sh- to take that shift in a mental model of, is there a better way? Are we as good as we could be? You know, and when you're really talking about that shift from blaming the worker of, well, that idiot should have known better. Or you, you hear so many derogatory terms about the construction worker when an accident occurs but safety kind of always has been at the forefront of trying to defend the worker and say, well, but why did they do that? You know, what, what system created that worker? What culture is it acceptable that they did something, man? Cause I'll tell you one of my first mental images, like horrible mental images in the safety world is I went out on a, on a commercial condom 
Minium project, you know, 20 plus years ago. And so it was five, I'm sorry, it was six stories tall and up on the fifth floor. I get out of my truck. I'm trying to get my bearings of, you know, where's the trailer? Where do I find the superintendent? And I observe employees coming out onto the patio with no guardrails, jumping that four and a half, five-ish feet from patio to patio with no guardrails, no fall protection to go into the other unit. And, you know, I'm trying to get upstairs and get to these employees. And long story short, at the end of the day, when I finally found the employees who admitted it was them and, you know, they're petrified that I'm about to fire them, send them home. I'm just trying to understand, like, why would you jump five floors up, five feet, balcony to balcony versus walk around on the inside? And it all came down to, oh, you know, it, 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 it takes less time to jump from here to here. We're trying to get the work done. Man, that mental model 20 years ago, I think still unfortunately exists in our industry of the schedule was driving those employees and they knew the more work they got in place, the more money they're going to make. And, you know, if it took an extra 20 seconds to walk around there, how many times in a day, how do you change somebody's opinion right then and there versus clearly the culture that they worked in back then oppressed and upon them? And here we are 20 years later. We still all see crazy things happen on job sites that in our mind as safety pros, we're saying, that's crazy. Why would you do that? And then when you can get the employee to actually be honest with you, was it like they woke up that morning and thought, you know what? I think, you know, it'd be fun today. Let's go jump five <laughs> floors and see yeah, what yeah. happens, <laughs> you know, or let's, yeah. let's go not check our shackles properly on an excavation bucket and let it break. And, you know, right. no one wakes up Nobody thinking wants to do that right yeah Nobody let's go get hurt today hey you know let's, okay. fun? let's unpack some of that okay so you had some just excellent points and let's kind of go back to safety guy shows up to the job site and sees a bunch of people working without guardrails and okay so first of all what the heck about our system needed rob to show up and identify that now, because I mean, are we saying that uh, that we had no supervision, no manager, no superintendent, no foreman, no project manager? Nobody saw it. We needed Rob to come identify that this is wrong, which is insane when you think about it. Right. But at the same time, you know, this whole HP thing is understanding why behavior makes sense, and you know, you and I came from a generation where I'm. Um, it was kind of safety's job to identify hazards. We, we passed the buck, right? We passed the buck to, to the safety person. So, you know, quality and production schedule, all that stuff. Well, you know, foreman, superintendent management, we, we all, that's our job. That safety stuff, that guardrail, that's Rob's job, right? Oh, and, and, yeah. And, and so that's a great idea, a great example of looking at the system. Why, why does that system make sense? And it did make sense. Not that it was right, but we kind of believe that was our job. I'm guilty of it too. I used to think it was my job. Um, but you know, the, the other thing that um, I think you're kind of getting at too is it's really hard for us to understand why those decisions make sense. But if we, if we step back and kind of look at this overall job site, schedule matters. And mm-hmm. I know that goes against the whole anybody can stop work. We, everybody's got the power to do all that. But, you know, at the end of the day, most people are doing what they think their direct supervisor 
wants them to do or is acceptable behavior to them. And, and so if, we, if we're not going to target that, why, why do you think it's a good idea? Is it just, you know, don't get caught when the safety guy shows up to so get that side of it. Um, and if I judged that foreman or that direct supervisor, I still wouldn't be doing HP. I'd be just reassigning blame from the worker to a foreman. And so we got to keep going up the ladder that, you know, why did it make sense for the foreman to look the other way? Why did it look, make sense to the superintendent to look the other way or the division manager? And it all comes down to the system we place people in. That construction by nature is a goal conflict. It is hurry up and get the job done so we meet the schedule and don't have to pay the liquidated damage clause. And then safety is take all the time you need and use all the resources and do the job right. And that's a conflicting goal. And so whenever you give people that goal of hurry the heck up and slow down whenever you need to, most people are going to pick the schedule. Unfortunately, we've seen it time and time again, but it, it goes back like we're talking. There was old mental models. You know, when we were first becoming safety professionals, you know, and I'm using that term loosely right now because back in the day, we are safety cops. It yes. was, we were told to go out and find the unsafe worker, re basically remove risk as much as you can and get them off the job. If they're not working safe, get them off the job. We weren't, we were looking directly at that individual's actions at the very tip of the spear, not rolling back of, well, how are they paid and what is the schedule and what is their culture I think that's some of what we're trying to bring to light here for people is to think if we're kind of bringing up these old mental models that weren't exactly the smoothest, because when you look at the numbers, right, fatalities, 20 years ago to today, when I ran the numbers last year, we're maybe 2% better in 20 years, right. you know, uh, injury stats are a little bit better, you know, the, the recordable stats and the, the lost days. But again, even there, 20 years, we have not made huge improvements. You got to ask bad. why. Yeah. So new mental yeah. model. Well, let's hit that for a minute. And, um, you know, again, it's, you know, not blaming safety professionals and not blaming supervisors, but understanding mm -hmm. why, how we got here and all of that, that I'm, um, you know, one, one side of it is we in the safety profession have a very unregulated industry. And, you know, you and I kind of growing up together, I think we saw the similar paths of go to Georgia Tech, which is great. I need to learn all the OSHA rules, but it, it, it focused on the rule, the rule that somebody shouldn't break. And then at the same time, we came from a, a generation where there was a lot of, that still exists today, of measuring good versus bad based on number of recordables and what your EMR rate is, right? And, Absolutely. And, and so when when that was the goal, right, is to get the numbers down, we did what the goal influenced us to do, which was reduce recordables. Now, I got one guy with some stitches and another guy's dead, and we're calling it a one for both of those. Right. And so what did we do? We over-focused on PPE and how can we massage the recordable and all those things? And so we did. We, we, we succeeded in getting recordables down, mostly minor injuries. But we got the same amount of dead people as we did 20 years ago, and that hasn't changed. So, mm -mm. Um, yeah, both those things. that, And that it really ties back into what you're wanting to do at AGC 
is can we educate one safety people on what they don't always get to hear because of our unregulated industry, but also supervision and management needs to be aware of these concepts or they're going to bang their head on the wall too. <laughs> you know, it makes yep. me think about um, it, it, it's a, I think it's Einstein, but um, what's insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That's what we're doing, right? We're still looking at, minor injury stuff and trying to prevent dead people and it's not working. Right. Well, I think it's because, you know, if I can cross two genres, we've had this very weird dichotomy for safety professionals for a long time that are trying to work with management. When you and I were coming up and a lot of the people that we know, it's like we went, if you think about Star Trek terms, we went to Starfleet Academy. We were taught how to fly a spaceship. There's a book and there's methods and everything about it was flying the ship. Right. And we're told to fly it faster, safer. Yeah, Everything about it was geared at doing a very focused task. Again, flying the ship. But then every now and then it was, you know, which galaxy are you going to and how fast and navigating asteroid fields. But it was all very driven. What's kind of developing, if we flip genres, right, is now we're looking more like a Jedi temple because we're not we're not trying to learn how to fly a ship fast. We're trying to understand how to move thoughts and energy. And that's kind of where this new concept of human performance is coming up. It It's a little sticky. It's a little touchy-feely. You know, people yeah. kind of look at us weird when we bring up, you know, let's talk about human performance. What? What are you talking about? But again, this isn't so much, it's a regulation and it's a rule and it's a da, da, da. This is more trying to really understand why at the end of the day would any employee think doing something that they clearly know is not safe is okay to do it? And how do we get more safety professionals to kind of look at this new lens, this mental model? How do they explain it to the owners of their companies, their managers? Because in our industry, we have probably, what right now, four, possibly five generations all working together at some companies where you got people from their 20s to their 60s. There's mental models across that whole spectrum of age. And I'm not trying to like hone in on anyone that's going to be certain because you and I have come across professionals in their 60s that have the most beautiful open minds and look at things and are constantly learning. And I've come across a couple 20, 30 year olds recently that have that. And you could flip it just as easily in their perception and their application of the world of you got open minded people, closed minded people. Doesn't matter how long they've been in the business or not in the business. It's again, these mental models that we're trying to just educate people with some opportunities, I think. Yeah, that, that's so many, I mean, as usual, you like put like 16 different great points in, in one little <laughs> paragraph there. Um, it is, you know, that you, one thing, I'm going to kind of go backwards that um, I've found that people that have a high level of self-awareness, emotional intelligence, a learning attitude, those are the ones that kind of look at the HP thing and they're like bought in on day one, Right. But then not everybody has that attitude. And, you know, we do live in a current society that's blaming people all the time. If you look at politics and social media. So some people struggle with it a lot. Um, but th that you nailed it again. There's one of those things that can we have, can we create a culture of a learning attitude? Are we the type of organization that learns 
and you know part of that is we may we put people in leadership positions in construction usually because they're reliable they show up half an hour early every day and they know how to get the work done and then we make them a leader but you know and maybe manager is a better term or supervisor because when you look at true leaders the true leaders in our society always have a learning attitude they're always Mm -hmm. wanting to learn what's new what's the best new thing and what can i do to get better at work and that's really what HP is about. It's about working smarter, right? Not harder. And so um, it's kind of a paradox that one, HP is focused on the system you place people within. But if I did need to focus on people, I should really focus on management and upper leadership that yes, this is an operating philosophy that we have. And this is how we do business here. Um, you know, on that note, uh, Accountability comes up all the dang time with HP talk that um, right. people think that people, it means people aren't accountable anymore. And that's not what it means at all. It, it's just shifting our focus on holding people accountable for what's really in their control. And, and when you look at the frontline worker, just like those guys on the roof without the fall protection, were they in control of the schedule? No. Did we hand every one of them an American Express and the number to Whitecap and United Rental and all those folks that go buy all the stuff you need to do it right? And no, we didn't. And then we get upset with them about what they're doing. Well, they were placed in a system where they had no control. And, you know, I'm sure you did it like I did. I wrote those guys up plenty of times in my life, you know, wrote them up that they're the bad guy. And we held them accountable for something that was not in their control which again is insane, but now we know. It is, but that was our mental model of they showed up on site. They didn't have what they needed. How could they be up here versus us having the, the knowledge back in the day to have paused and thought, well, what did they have control of? Because let's assume maybe they went to the shop that day before they came to work or they're on that truck. Well, they're in there. That's their environment. They're on that truck all the time or they went to the shop, why did they not think through what they would need for the day, right? That what was the system they were operating in? Was yes. it unfortunately by the seat of their pants? Like it is what it is and I'm just going to show up and I'm going to do what I can with what I got or no, wait a minute. There's a reason you're assigned to a truck or a crew and you know the things you need. And you know, it's amazing when you look at some parts of construction where, you know, if we dive over to lean for a minute, right. And you think it's just in time, only take what you need, but there's so much of that mental model and construction of, I want all the materials I could possibly have on site. So there's never an excuse not to work. But then when we look at safety, you're like, I just take what you need. Right. Like, you know, if you jump out of an airplane with an umbrella, you might make it to the ground versus why not take the time to pack your own chute, put the chute on and, have everything you need. No, 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 no. It, I think that's still tapping into this human performance idea of what are the systems that we're putting workers in that we create? I mean, the company creates the system and the culture and understanding what can we do in 2023? What can we do to help improve, again, the organization, the crew, and but then down to the employee of, yeah, how do you look at somebody, honestly, these days, and let's say in 2023 at a worker, that maybe wasn't prepared with the right training, 
and the right gear, the fill in the blank. Is it really, and this is, I think what you're talking about, that purple elephant, the hard thing for a company, a manager, an owner, a supervisor, is it the employee's fault that they don't have the proper personal protective equipment, gear, or training? Or is it the company's responsibility to, to have it? You know, not, not fault. We're saying responsibility and then develop that culture. Some of these interesting things you keep talking about that hopefully people are listening to and maybe it sounds a little crazy. Yeah, it's a little touchy-feely, but is there some nuggets of truth in there? Definitely. And, you know, it's always funny how like there's different cultures and people, you know, what's normal in one culture is just insane in another. And and so, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we live in the South and yes, there's some union environments down here, but there's a lot of right to work going on in in Mm -hmm. our culture down here. And so like in, in our world, it's normal for a tower crane operator or a lot of people in construction to work ridiculously long hours let's say pull a 12 is just it's not Mm -hmm. unusual right and so um you know from a a fatigue standpoint we know that that means air is much more likely to occur that their brain is working just like a drunk person's brain yet Mm -hmm. we kind of accept it which is another human performance concept that culture influences behavior, right? So if if everybody around me is working 12, 14 hours, then we don't look at it as wrong or right. We look at that as the normal thing to do. But, you know, kind of traveling around the country, sometimes when I talk about the tower crane operator working 12, 14 hours, in some of these union environments, they look at me and they're like, no way. That's, that, that can't be right, that just can't even be true. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like, well, in our world, we just wouldn't allow that. Well, it's normal over here, right? It's just the way we do things. Mm-hmm. And so that, that influences people to think it is normal. It is okay. When, when, you know, some areas of the country, they look at that as insanity, <laughs> right? Well, it's also the market segment of, I did a lot of DOT work back in the day that we were given a bridge let's say at Friday night, 9 p.m., and it had to be given back at 6 a.m. There were employees, 12-hour shift. I remember being out on bridges 24 hours as the safety director when we were breaking concrete over 285, you know, or industrial shutdowns. There are definitely pockets in the construction industry where the mental model is accepted that, well, you've only got this many hours and we're going to get it done now. Some companies and some owners look at it a little bit differently to what you're talking about of, I want to see the shift. I want to understand the schedule, the crews that, because they were trying to prevent that person from being out 12 hours or like I was back in the day of, man, if you're up for 48 hours on a bridge, you're punch drunk by Sunday. Let's be honest. But That's right. it was the way that was what, that was how it worked. And there's also the skilled body issue. There's so many of these things that come in, again, to these mental models for our construction professionals of the type of work, the contract, now post-COVID, the labor availability. But again, I think the company is the one dictating the culture and the system. And we're trying to just point out, before we're pointing at that employee and blaming them for a failure, can you look in the mirror and honestly think, well, did I or have we created the best system to catch a few things before people make mistakes? How, how do we get there? Okay, so Rob, that, that's so important. Um, 
you know, like in, in any kind of relationship conflict, a great question to ask is what is my part in all of this? Right. Um, you know, the other side is that there are things that we have control over and there's things we don't have control over. And so we always got to look at it in this both are true kind of view that I'm, let's say I'm a trade partner and I'm working for a GC or I'm a GC working for a client. And a lot of times the schedule might not be something, it might not be a system that we really can change. Maybe we've mm-hmm. agreed to, to do this job for this client, whether it's an owner or a general contractor, and we do have an aggressive schedule where we know errors most likely, it's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So can we massage that a little bit? And so, you know, the basic idea with human performance is change the system where you can implement defenses where you can't. And so if, if we got a little bit more grassroots specific here, um, maybe I've got to do some energized work and I, I can't change the overall schedule, but I do have the ability to determine when we're going to do that energized work. Mm-hmm. And so if I know three, 5 PM after working all day, my brain is drunk, it's fatigue drunk and people are more likely to make a mistake maybe I'm going to schedule that at a different time or the confined space entry or the critical Mm -hmm. crane pick. And so those things that that's where we would implement defenses to make air less likely to occur. I'm, you know, the other side of that too. And and I I know that there's a lot of people listening going, yeah, but yeah, but which is true that maybe on that uh, confined space entry, um, I have to do it at let's say 4 30 p.m i've got to do it at 4 30 p.m and i know my people are going to be more fatigued could i make it safer to fail and that's a concept a lot of people struggle with in safety that we don't want incidents to occur nobody wants anybody to get hurt and so there's been this long history of no 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 one can ever get hurt no one can ever get hurt and then it happens and we freak out but if we step back for a minute a seatbelt in your car is to make it safer to fail. It's not never have an accident. Can I lessen the effects on the human body should the accident occur? We plan for failure. The airbag is planning for failure. The personal fall arrest system, we don't want anybody to fall off the roof. We tie them off so when they do, they're safer. And so like if you took something like confined space, all right, I have a limited budget but instead of just that dang tripod over the manhole, I am going to put in the resources for somebody to have an SCBA on ready to go in that manhole and save somebody when the tripod fails at 430 instead of planning for that never to occur. Man, it's almost like we're talking about creating a mental model now, if you think for the safety professionals out there of the quote hierarchy of controls, and it's kind of been updated over the years. And for you yeah. non-safety professionals, Google it. But yeah. Phil, what we're talking about, it's almost like if we change out the current terms and procedures where at the end of the day, PP is the last line of defense. What we're talking about, if you have culture up top, the culture of the company, the organization, and then you look at the training of the employee and then coaching or slash mentoring of the employee. 
And then the daily planning of a PTP, a JSA, fill in the blank, whatever, right? We're still, we're still in the mind of how we've created a culture of acceptance or not, or what's not right. And then we trained how to do it. And then we coached and we reinforced. And then we planned that day. And then at the end, instead of PPE is the last line of defense, the physical PPE, we're talking about the, the worker's brain is the last line of defense of what inflection points do they make a positive or negative decision before an incident were to occur? All of this is in the mind before the action. If we almost came up with a flip chart, like the hierarchy of controls, but like the hierarchy of decision-making. Yeah. Okay. And so let's take that, that, uh, you know, a lot of people listening to this are familiar with the Swiss cheese model. So, you, you know, when, when you looked at the hierarchy, it was best to worst defense. And then mm-hmm. the Swiss cheese model was, well, how many of those can we add? Can we do all of them? Right. Or can we do most of them that, um, you know, I know some people work in these environments where they have to have a guardrail on the scaffold and they have to be tied off too, right? Mm-hmm. And so they don't just say, well, here's the best, we'll do that. No, they do them all, right? And mm-hmm. and yeah, decision-making, training, JSAs, planning, all that kind of stuff, they're layers of defenses. And and so when one fails, the other one still works, right? right. And, and that's another way of looking at it that yeah, can we look at how many layers of defenses we can add, but at the same time, not making work so complex that we can't get the job done because we still got to do that too, right? Yeah, too many rules. I've always been a true believer. Too many rules is not a good thing. And, you know, not naming names, but I remember back in the day, there was a certain project where we were working and the rule was you had a glove on 100% of the time, no matter what you were doing. Now, in this Feel instance, good. we might have been working in South Georgia on some correctional facilities with live inmates behind, you know, razor wire. And let's yeah. just say a foreman was observed gassing up a bobcat without a glove. Right. And right. the world came to an end. That employee was written up. That employee was sent home for the day. And then we had to stop and think, okay, the other rules that we have in place where that if there's no foreman, there can't be any crew. You just sent the foreman home. Now, guess what? And it was one of those things that just stuck in my brain. Or I remember it for those in the South, you might remember there used to be a, a, a trend. We had this rule that you had to have those 40-pound fire extinguishers. Yeah. And I kept asking of, have you ever tried to pick one of those up? Like, do you actually think if there was a fire, they'd use it? And then I finally got someone to admit, I'm like, why are we buying these giant fire extinguishers and nobody can pick up? Because Rob, nobody will steal it and it'll walk off the job. So yeah, rules just to be rules. I've never been a big fan of. Right. Well, and you know, that brings up another point in your glove. One's a great example that um you know, every every safety defense that we implement also brings a hazard with it. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you got the nicest fire extinguisher in the world, but now you got a bunch of back injuries if somebody uses it, right? Mm-hmm. And we're still going to have to move them around. We still got to get them out on the job. So maybe we never had the fire, but now we brought mm-hmm. some ergonomic issues, obviously. But yeah, it's, it, 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 the, the other thing is the dynamic industry of construction that 
what is a beautiful safety rule in one scenario is ridiculous in another that um mm-hmm. and I, I you know harped on it too much in the one another podcast but you know the call it all type c rule if i have the 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 space to slope something and we are sloping type c it's it's an awesome rule right mm-hmm. but if i don't have the space and perpendicular utilities then Maybe I should allow some C60 hydraulic shoring and I'm breaking your beautiful rule, but it fits the context uh-huh. of the job, right? So, yeah, that's, that's a tough one for sure. Well, it's one of those mental models we get into again of this, I believe when that rule kind of got prominent, we spread it around. It was when safety professionals were trying to quote, unquote, teach the experts, the ones digging of well, these are the rules of ocean. Let's just put up a pretty hard guardrail right here. Of if it's if it, let's just call it all type C. And to your point, well, yeah, when you're taking down a forest, that that works pretty good. Yeah. Try calling it types all everything type C in downtown Atlanta or Birmingham right. or Charlotte doing twenty foot excavation utility work. That's right. Yeah, one rule doesn't rule them all, but again, I think that's some of these mental models we're talking about the past, and we're trying to surface here's a new mental model this human performance what could it do to benefit you your employees your company in the new year is it something worth exploring for the betterment of your organization and definitely you know you and i got into a a conversation the other day that i'm you know hp is not a safety thing we talk it's popular kind of in the safety world but it's really this operating philosophy to understand where errors most likely to occur and you know throw all the safety stuff to the side for a minute you think about estimating a job my grandfather was an estimator and and just you know looking at the likelihood of somebody making a mistake and estimating is high right it's a complex mm-hmm. job and so you know when we adopt this as an operating philosophy we find out that it it improves other areas of performance uh, you, you were mentioning, you know, warranty and all that, that it, it, it improves all areas of performance. It's just can we think differently about air and where it's likely to occur? Unfortunately, there are so many opportunities in construction for air. I think that's why we're trying to bring this up and look at it from the supervision point of view, management, ownership. You know, we're saying human performance and safety, but to your point, you look at other industries, look at sports, you know, the best people in the world, the best athletes, they make mistakes. You know, people didn't become professionals day one. They took shots again and again and again, or punches or ran in our industry. I used to always kind of wonder about when companies had a big and, you know, no disrespect, but companies with big, robust warranty programs, what is that really telling you internally in your culture that, You've got clearly the ultimate safety net of someone that's going to go back and fix things again and again and again versus why not install it correct the first time on schedule and safely and not have to have this roaming giant warranty program that, you know, warranty, I used to always think it should have been like the piece of paper that's guaranteeing things, not this whole initiative and people ready, willing, and able, but there's another mental model to look at of when we're seeing human performance, you know, from the very beginning of a project, to your point, how easy is it to put a decimal in the wrong spot on an Excel spreadsheet and cost thousands or worse 
or people are installing things and not quality checking light switches or the caulking on a window. You know, human performance can really go through the whole gambit of every part of a construction business from the beginning of that estimate, the installation, the management. It's not just somebody made a mistake and they got hurt. Well, people make mistakes and it costs money. No one got physically hurt, but you could get sued or you could have your reputation drugged through the mud. Like everyone's performing. It's a matter of how well are they performing the different roles inside the company, I think. That's right. That is it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, Rob, I, uh, I applaud you all and the whole safety committee and the entire staff at AGC for what they're wanting to do here. And um, I think, you know, when it comes back down to what is our job, right? That, um, you know, I heard it was either Decker or Conklin said it, that the role of, of a safety person is to communicate information to decision makers that they need to be aware of. And so again, we can't blame management or anybody for not knowing this stuff. It's our Mm -hmm. job to give them that information so we can get better, right? So we do want to make more money. Profit is good, right? We can we can buy all that fancy tech that you have if we get better profit. And you know the side benefit is we can save more lives. So I appreciate all the effort that you guys are putting into this. And um, I'm I'm just happy that I get to be a little part of it here. Hey, we appreciate the knowledge that you bring to the table. So anyone that's listened to this and you're interested to learn more about human performance, Philip's always talking about it on this show. There's lots of resources. The course is down at Tech. If you're in Georgia and you're curious to learn more, we will do a special Lunch and Learn with Philip on January the 12th at the AGC Georgia office. It's actually going to be a hybrid. So if you're in the Atlanta area and you can join us, great. We'll also put this out through a webinar and then some other courses in the human performance world we've got scheduled. So if you want to learn more about what our efforts are at the AGC Georgia, go to our website, agcga.org, and you can look at our events calendar and we'll have some information there or maybe sign up for our newsletter. Or if you're curious, I'm not hard to find, reach out to me on LinkedIn, send you some information. But the goal of what we're talking about today, again, is trying to just put some ideas out there of what is human performance and how does it help and I've been sitting under the learning tree from Philip for a long time. I'm just trying to share those nuggets with other professionals. You know, Rob, I'm going to just brag on our courses too about um, what you have going on, but even some of the courses, you guys decided to structure them based on human performance. The, you know, the traditional um, education that we did in construction was, can we pack in all the learning from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m., right? And then people are fatigued drunk in the class, right? And, yep. and so um, when you guys said, look, I, no, we want to take human performance. Let's do a part one that's just eight to noon and not teach people after lunch. That's in line with human performance, and then yet another part two that's eight to noon. Um, so um, I'll make sure to put um, some links and information on the LeaderThink site as well if anybody's interested. But I think we've got like six courses coming up in 2023. Um, a couple leadership courses and then a, um, a part one and a part two to human performance. A new year, new ideas, man. All right. Always a pleasure, Rob. Just uh, I feel in good company every time we talk. So, hey, everybody. Keep educating management on what they need to know about and hope you all have a beautiful week. Hey there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review. 
If you want to connect further, reach out at leaderthink.com.